Hey, so you had some kids. <laughs> I, I did. More kids. More children. That's impressive. Huh? Yeah. There's quite I mean, the Some people are like, I'm just going to have a kid at a time. And you were like, no. I don't, I don't bow to con- normal conventions. I think it does fit my personality to have twins. Oh, it definitely like, does. I don't even know why. I, like, I, I have thought none at all about why that <laughs> seems the case, but it does seem the case. No, it's perfect. Yeah. Oh, Not to so navel good. gaze, but why is that? Why, why is it perfect for you? Yeah, like, why does it seem obvious that I would have twins? Because you're, cause you're asking this question right now. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why would I do that? Why, why is that like me it's, to do that? It seems like, a, like an obviously good idea to me. Just do two. I thought that at first, and then I had one, and I was like, I'm, you know what? One at a time sounds just about right. <laughs> you don't eat two donuts at once. You could, <laughs> so, but you don't. I don't know. I've gone to Dunkin' Donuts plenty of times where people uh, had other ideas. <laughs> <laughs> they ate multiple. Yeah, so let's so let's recap. I have sort of trickled out the little uh, babies coming news over the last couple months. So, uh uh, Violet and Ivy, they were born on Tuesday at around noon, a little bit past noon. You met them, so yes. you, you can uh, you can be my witness. These are real children. Yes, they are real, very cute children. Yeah, they're a fun size. They're like small, but not preemie. So they came home right away, but they're relatively tiny, uh, around six pounds. And yeah, very good. I'm kind of knocking on all the wood because the... Uh, so far, the sleeping situation has not been a problem. Yeah, please tell me more. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I know. I, I forgot. So you were over the other day, and I forgot until afterwards that you're the guy that gets annoyed when other people share their good parenting stories. <laughs> yeah, but this is different because this is like a consequence of re- like reality of your ch- of your children's reality. You know, like they just they were they were just like. How how long were we over that night? Like five hours or something yeah, crazy? Yeah. And like, I mean, one of them went eh, like once and that was it for five hours. Isn't, is that, so, isn't that how it works? I don't know either. Either. Yes, it is how it works. <laughs> and I need to call American Express to see if their extra extended warranty covers humans. Right. Uh, or, you know. Well, they say that it can you're be a personality lucky. thing, and you know, like I'm, I'm relatively laid back, and so is my wife. But, but you know, you're not ultra high strung. No, I but, think it's, you know, I think it's one well, plus. You know, Cooper, your son is he's at a, a ripe age right now, you know, year and a half. He's he's in prime <laughs> oh, hell yes. raising territory. Oh yes, he is. Oh boy, yeah, well, awesome! All Congratulations right. again. The internet is very ha- excited for you. I can just tell. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think every most people like babies, and like those that don't, don't say much. So <laughs> the way that it, it is, it's experienced is that everyone likes babies. All right, well, let's get to it. So this is episode number one hundred ninety nine. I don't know what oh, number is doggy. it of, of the, exactly. What number is it of this uh, season? It's gonna be like number eight. Oh jeez, I, I lost count. I had yeah. such witty things to say, and then yeah, you were in a roll. Yeah, I think that's actually pretty accurate, right? The middle of the season is always like, eh, we don't really know where we're going. Are we going to get canceled before the end of the right. season? Now, what do they call that thing in a relationship, the seven-year... The seven-year itch. This is the uh, seventh episode itch. Will we Will we bail? <laughs> who's who's, yeah. who's going who's, who's gonna to get caught on the Ashley Madison of podcasts? Oh, boy. Seven. So, yeah, this is the eighth episode, I think. Okay. There we go. All right, so we've got a good uh, topic for today, I think. 
not as a result of all that much planning. I had relatively little planning time this week with baby action and many visitors, etc. But um, uh, let's talk about how to uh, how to work effectively uh, from remote. Uh, I don't think that's the right way to say that. How to work remotely effectively. What do you do when there are two adverbs like that? <laughs> I assure you I am not the person to ask about that. <laughs> right. Okay, so let's just dive right in. Uh, we both work remotely. Uh, sure do. How long have you worked remotely for? Um, so probably like eight years, give or take. Okay. And you're not 50. Um, 52 in <laughs> exactly. uh, March. So this is like... Purport- I mean, I've worked remotely for basically my entire career. Right. Or or semi remote. One of the startups I worked at, uh, the I was in a local office some of the time with business types, um, but uh, all the developers were remote, so all my coworkers were remote. Gotcha. Okay, so you've you've got more remote experience than I do. I've got a decent amount now, but not nearly eight years. And I've got, I'd say, a more diverse than sort of experience of like environments in which I've worked. So that'll be fun. We'll get to compare and contrast some of the realities and I think uh, uh, myths about working remotely and working in the office. Sure. So so how do you use, let's get to the summary first. So do you like it? Is it your thing? Um, it is my thing, but I think that, uh, well, I mean. <laughs> oh, you, you, how would you know? Because <laughs> you haven't um, done well, the other. It's true. So I've never worked in an office, and so I think I would hate that quite a bit. Um, but I think one of the important things usually when I talk to people about working remote is um, to separate out working remote from having a flexible work schedule because the two are not always synonymous. Um, so my wife works for a big corporation and she is able to work from home some days. And so I guess arguably you could say she could work remote if she, if we were to move away from the office, uh, but she would be expected to do normal hours, normal time, be at the computer, that sort of thing. Um, my remote is, is, has almost always been, um, a flexible work time remote. Um, and then at GitHub, it's pretty explicitly, um, like hyper flexible. Um, I can kind of work when I want to, um, with the exception of, you know, one or two sort of weekly status type meetings. Um, because we have employees all over the globe, it kind of just works out that way. Uh, but I think it's important to separate those two because I think that sometimes people here working from home or working remote and automatically assume that you're like super flexible and you can go to your kid's stuff or, you know, take the morning off and work at night, blah, blah, blah. But that's not always the case. And so for me, uh, I don't know that I would do well in a remote nine to five, um, or in, in office nine to five. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there's really, there aren't really in office flexible jobs. So there's only, the only options are office rigid, remote rigid, remote yeah. flexible. Sure. Because it'd be weird, like everyone coming in. And, I mean, I suppose that there are plenty of startups that would that would profess to be um, both on site and flexible, but I don't think that's really how it goes. For a period of time back in the what, like mid two thousands, when Best Buy was really you know trumpeting um, results only work environment, row, you know, um, they were big into that, like just show up when you want to, leave when you want to, no one's going to care. You still have an office here, sort of thing. Um, but then I'm pretty positive Best Buy walked all that back. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, my, my take is that if you do that, like why have the office? Like it just doesn't, it seems strange to, cause having the office is sort of a, I don't know. 
if you have that, it, it seems that you subscribe to some set of values that aren't super consistent with work whenever to me. Sure. At least. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I think that your distinction is pretty good. So I agree that there, uh, there's a big difference between working flexibly and working remotely. I mean, I think a remote is sort of by definition more flexible, even in a yeah. relatively strict environment, just because you could work from a coffee shop or if it's, you know, if you have to take up meeting, you could take it from your cell phone, wherever. Right. Heck. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, I've come to think that, that work, uh, a, a sort of work setup that's not async friendly is is kind of I don't know how to say this right. It's almost primitive. Mm. Like any work that requires synchronous communication is out of touch with yeah. how you know people are most effective. And it, I find it interesting because I don't really get it. Like I don't because there's still quite a fascination with synchronous work at a lot of places. It sounds like GitHub's not one of them, right? So there's like how how much synchronous communication is there at GitHub? Um, I mean, there, uh, so when I first joined, it was, it was very much asynchronous. And I think over time it's become slightly more synchronous, not to the point that like I have to be synchronous or anything like that, but, um, it's gotten, it has gotten more synchronous, but most of my weeks, like I only have two, um, like required synchronous meetings, you know? Um, and then depending with working with my coworkers, we might want to hop into a video call or something, but it's really just the two, one weekly planning meeting and a one-on-one, uh, with my manager. So if you're making the decisions, do you ever do, uh, video calls or is that someone else's call? Um, I can do video calls sometimes, but it, totally depends you know i i really prefer text for a multitude of reasons and i think we can kind of just move into this uh a little bit but um i I value text as a remote employee because if you're working in a flexible environment or working with colleagues that aren't all in the same time zone as you text allows the colleague to be able to read back the conversation that happened and understand sort of what's going on and and you know why the decision was made the way that it was. And so I think from both a knowledge transfer and a sort of camaraderie aspect, that text is a better medium for that. Um, if you keep jumping into video chats and the chat is basically just like, hey, let's go you know, do a Google Hangouts or a BlueJeans or whatever, uh, I think sometimes that a lot of context is lost and a lot of you know remote socialization is lost. That's one of the biggest sort of problems I think that people have with working remote is just you know, you're basically working with yourself all day and you can chat and you can IM and you can video chat and each one of those things sort of helps you out. But I find that the people that I know that are most happy working remote are when, you know, you're engaging with your colleagues a lot over primarily chat, you know, um, they're online, they're, you know, they're, uh, you know, able to chat both about work related things and, you know, personal things like, Oh, I watch a show on TV, like that sort of stuff. Um, because, you know, some people prefer remote because of the disconnection from that sort of social work environment, but I, I don't think that's the case for um, all or or even most. And so I think chat, I, I prefer to do everything in chat unless the other party, um, you know, is like, oh, I don't want to type all that out. We'll just hop into a blue jeans. And then we attempt to summarize what we discuss into an issue or in chat or in a gist or email or or whatever makes sense. But I, th- I think text is the ultimate medium for remote workers uh, for just sort of the day-to-day uh, work. Brainstorming and sort of all new stuff is a whole different ball of wax, though. I mean, I think text is 
is the most expressive. Like a group chat is especially in a good tool like Slack or, or something similar. Um, it's the most expressive way to communicate remotely. Like it's, I mean, you'd think that video would be cause you could see someone's face, but it's much more interesting to, I don't use the combination of sort of, you know, the fun you can have with words plus pictures, plus video, plus emoji, plus, you know, I, I find it to be much, it's easier to express your personality via that than it is any other remote communication tool I've seen. I think it's also very, um, like it, it permits people to engage when they would like to engage. So if you're a programmer, right, and you're working on something like, I might want to be involved in that conversation, but I'm like, I just can't, I can't stop what I'm working on right now to just go kind of, you know, talk about football or whatever. And so, you you know, you keep, I keep working, I keep working, I keep working, and then I'll go back and I can add my two cents. And with Slack, you know, you can do all kinds of fun things uh, like emoji responses and whatever. But with a video chat, it's like, okay, everyone, we all need to stop. We all need to coordinate across time zones if that's possible. Um, and then, you know, let's make sure we have enough time to do this. And it's synchronous, meaning it's blocking. You know, you, you have to be in this video chat this whole time. With text, it's not really necessary. And so that was when I sort of stopped consulting and decided, all right, I'm going to go find a job. That was one of my big things was just sort of a company that was primarily remote uh, because I find that the more remote employees there are, or if the company skews primarily remote, the better the text and chat communication is. Yeah, definitely Uh, true. So, well, so let's talk about my current situation because I think it'll contrast uh, a lot with, with yours. And I think it's interesting. (laughs) So, uh, in the situation that I'm in the majority of maybe 75% of the work that I do is with a team that uh, none of whom are remote. So I'm the only remote person. And, um, uh, how do I describe this? Right. So, and I'm, I'm not the, uh, everyone on the team does not work for me though. Uh, I think that it would be a fair characterization to describe me as like the lead of the, of the effort. Um, and that is a very interesting experience to find yourself in where you're the only, and I very rarely go there. So there, you know, the team's in Texas, just about everyone works in the same building. I'm the only person that works remotely. And it's been interesting (laughs) to see how that, how it, 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 people joke around that, you know, one, one person added to a team fundamentally changes the team. And I can see how that works in this case. Because slowly but surely, like, for example, Slack is starting to be talked about. You know, email is much more common than meetings. We only have one meeting. Interesting. Uh, one primary meeting a week. And then depending on what's going on, like we were pushing something out to production right now. So there are daily meetings just to make sure we're on the same page on that. But it's mm-hmm. interesting to see kind of the, when you have remote work, how it exposes weaknesses in team members around async or async exposes weaknesses around communication. I think is a better way to say it. And that's, it's a very interesting process to, to, to watch because what you find out is, and I found this out with this team, some of the team members are actually pretty good async. Like they're thoughtful. They read emails. They write relatively well. They, um, uh, don't drop balls. You know, they, they remember what they are assigned to do and do it. And other people struggle with some part of that. Either they have trouble, um, uh, writing. And I think that's a common thing. That's, that's actually, I'm, I'm not sure if it's talked about a lot, but I've seen it a lot in my career is that most people don't write that well. And yeah. when you're, especially non-technical people, and when you're forced into a, not to say that technical people write well, but they have to write a lot. So, you know, practice makes perfect to some degree. 
So it's, it's, it's very interesting to be part of a remote team of people that aren't mostly remote. And therefore, it's sort of a force. It's like a forcing function on the team to do things that that they're not super super used to. And uh, you know, my take is that it's probably made the team much better um, because it's it's forced people to start thinking about how to communicate more effectively. But um, you know, I wonder what they would say. I'm not positive they would agree. I think some people would. And I also see in moments of stress how the team reverts to sort of the the sink uh, yeah. fallback. <laughs> just like, you know, things aren't going well, let's get on a call. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, it's interesting to see how that, that happens more in, in teams that aren't as remote centric. Cause if the team's relatively remote centric, I mean, you're, you're, I don't think your stress response generally speaking is to go, you know, sync on everything in the key parts. Um, in fact, you probably go stronger towards, you know, GitHub issues and, you know, you know, flowing things through a process more so than, than making sure that people are present in the same place in time. But it's been an interesting experience. Um, yeah. And I mean, I've been in, I've been in, you know, different, uh, sides of this. I, I think that depending on how, um, you know, I don't know a technical the team is. I find that more technical teams or teams that have technical leadership tend to prefer to not go to, okay, let's have a video chat about this or let's have a call to get it back up to speed or let's fix this with a call sort of thing. Um, so let's go through it, two things. So what's the charitable explanation for why that is? And what's the, uh, less charitable explanation? Cause I, I to- mean, I totally agree that that's the case that teams that are, have more technical leadership will not revert to sink and stress, but why? Um, you know, I think it's just a matter of going to communication mechanisms that are the most comfortable, you know? I mean, I, I think that if you're, um, uh, let's just say in sales, right? If you're in sales, you're not, you know, chatting with prospects, over IM to say, Hey, you should buy my thing, right? You're in calls, you're in person. It's, it's an important part of the communication mechanism for you to primarily be able to, you know, see here, you know, touch hand, you know, shake the hand of the person or whatever. And I think technically we're all in code editors all day. We, we prefer to sit back and type, think, yep, that's what I meant. Send, you know? And so I find that we, we think less that, Oh, well getting on the phone, isn't going to solve this problem because it's a code problem. It's a text problem. We can just chat it out here. And I think the opposite is true on if, if your primary job function is, you know, to talk to other people, um, who are outside the organization, let's say, I think is, uh, you know, why you sort of lean on that other communication mechanism. And I think that both sides do, bad job of like acquiescing at times you know there are i think there are some times when you know getting on a phone is call is just easier you know or or getting on a video chat is will actually be better um but i don't think that it's like you know every time something goes wrong we should hop on a phone call that well, sort of thing. i think the higher the ver- like uh, let me think of the statistical way to say this so the larger the variance there is in a team on some, I'd say, communication competence attributes, the more sync is a good idea. And this would be like my basic theory on it. Like, so if, if everyone is a very good communicator, async is definitely better in almost all situations. Not everyone. Of course, we could find ones where, you know, the nuance is difficult to communicate, although I think we'd be hard pressed. Um, 
to, to find one that was an obvious fit for sync versus async if everyone's a good communicator. But if as soon as you have a couple of weak link communicators, uh, if they need to be involved for whatever reasons, like let's say they are in a leadership position or they manage people or they are responsible for resources or, you know, they, in other words, they can't just be ignored. Um, then you have to go sync because async, they won't be able to participate, right? They'll have mm -hmm. difficult with the, the difficulty with the comprehension on the sort of inbound side and they won't be able to express themselves effectively on the outbound side. And if they're responsible for key things, it's going to cause them to make like sort of rash knee jerk, quick decisions that aren't their ideal decision. Whereas if it's on the phone, you can kind of like put the, you know, sort of like a kindergarten line, right? Like you put the, the slower kid, which would be the, the less functional communicator at the front of the line. Right. And then you, you, you dial down the conversation to go at the speed that they're comfortable with. And that's the most effective way to move the line then. And it's not like, in other words, it's not a bad idea. That's the right idea. If you've, if you've got a kindergarten class with kids of various sort of walking speeds and, um, maybe that's it that, you know, when you have more either companies with, uh, high degrees of variation and competence amongst their sort of management employees, then which is the case, I think more so in a sort of old line business than it would be at a place like GitHub. You're sort of forced into synchronous communication because otherwise you're, you're going to be in deep trouble on decision-making. There you go. There's my theory of, there's my theory of, uh, sync versus async. <laughs> um, let's do our first, uh, sponsor since we should have done it 10 minutes ago. Uh, uh, today's episode is brought to us by a few people. First of whom is Linda, Linda.com, which is going to have some, uh, it's going to have some good classes related to uh, exactly what we're talking about. Let me find, let me find my spot. Okay. So episodes brought to us by Linda.com, the online learning platform with over 3000 on demand video courses to help you strengthen your business technology and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com, that's L-Y-N-D-A, dot com slash Ruby on Rails. Lynda.com is for problem solvers, for the curious, for people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel, learn negotiation tactics. They actually have, a, um, I'd say, a decent amount of courseware on the sort of thing that we're talking about, you know, sort of how to communicate effectively remotely, how to manage teams, how to... Uh, uh, how to manage projects. And, uh, especially for those, uh, that are stronger, technically you may want to take a look at things that are a little out of your wheelhouse around how you manage work and manage people, uh, and manage customers and, uh, et cetera. Uh, cause lynda.com has some pretty solid, uh, courseware that could help you level up on that side of your, uh, of your job. I have not taken many of those honestly in lynda.com because I have, uh, had a lot of professional experience there, but I have used them to get quite a bit better at, um, design related, um, uh, skills because I'm not great, but I have to do some design oriented things now and then. And I found lynda.com super helpful to, uh, get better in that area with a lynda.com membership. You can watch and learn from top experts, stream thousands of video courses on demand, learn at your own pace, Browse each course transcript to follow along or search for an answer and skip right to uh, that point in the video. You can watch on your computer or take um, the courses with you remotely. Uh, sign up to lynda.com and your membership will give you unlimited access. 
uh, to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. So go to lynda.com slash Ruby on Rails, lynda.com slash Ruby on Rails, and sign up for your free 10-day trial today. Thanks to them for sponsoring. All right. So if you were giving advice to a uh, someone that was about to work remotely, and then we'll flip it around and talk about, you know, what if you're considering allowing a team to work remotely? But first, if let's say you're a, a remote employee, whether you're new to it or not, what do you think are the three sort of keys to being effective that you figured out over time? Um, um, so I think that some of these things are going to be out of the control of the remote employee, but I think are super, super, super important. So I'm just going to say them anyway. <laughs> um, you want to work on a team where you're not the only remote employee, um, <laughs> unless you have a lot of experience. It's like you're talking remote. to me. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, unless you have a lot of experience working remote and, and you feel confident in the decision to be the only remote employee, um, the company, the team, the culture is just not going to be set up for you to be, you know, particularly successful um, or at least maybe happy in your job, meaning just the day-to-day communication. Um, there's going to be a lot of times where the company is going to, or your team even will be like talking accidentally behind your back, you know, because they are just all in person. Or um, if you're even partially social, there's going to be a lot of times where the team is out at some nice restaurant and you are at home reheating hot pockets. Um, and so, I find that teams that are not um, doesn't have some sort of foothold of remote employees uh, too too quickly forget about the remote employees, and so I think that's just some due diligence when you look for the job. Um, ask how many employees have been remote. You know, ask how many employees have moved or relocated to the headquarters, assuming there is one, um, you know, try to understand, you know, what sort of things do you do for remote employees that, you know, sort of even the playing field, um, you know, if the company is providing a bunch of cool stuff at the office, um, uh, and by cool stuff, I primarily mean like, you know, things to make you do your job better, not like coffee and donuts, but like, you know, monitors, uh, keyboards, chairs, like, do they offer that to you as well as a remote employee? All that sort of stuff, I think, is just sort of the tip of the remote iceberg. And so worth sort of investigating, excuse me, as you attempt to get, you know, this first uh, remote gig. So I'll, I'll uh, add one sentence uh, of, of two cents onto that. So the way that I would say that, cause I totally agree is that if you're going to be either the only remote employee or one of the only remote remote employees, you've got to be that guy or girl. In other words, you have to be willing to go out on a limb on things. You have to be willing to like wrestle control of how things are done. I think you need to, I think you'd know if you're a person that's willing to do that kind of thing. Yeah, you don't go into that like unsure. That's what I mean. So you it, might go it, into a some... remote gig and unsure if the whole team is remote or whatever. But you're not going to be the remote person and go. Eh, I don't know if this is for me. If you're thinking that it's not for you, back away. Totally agree. You have to be That's very. Not... I mean, the only way to go in is if you're very assertive and uh, uh, sort of, I'd say, politically astute enough to know how to deal. Um, yeah. and if you have a lot of doubt on that, I com- I completely agree with you that I would step away cause it's not going to end well, No, you know, cause there's going to be stress, you know, if you're working somewhere for two, three years, there are going to be moments that aren't as, as nice as the others and you're going to get boxed out, you know, unless, yeah. unless you're at a, at a place where you can figure out how to avoid that. But you know, y- you'd know that if you're that. Yep. 
All right, so that's a good tip. Tip two. I think one of the most important tips is to over-communicate a lot. Um, if, like, you've ever texted with me or chatted with me on Twitter, um, anything over text especially, I use a ton of emoticons or emojis. Um, you know, I always say, you know, well, I was thinking that this or, you know, hey, how was your weekend? You know, things that you sort of take for granted in you know, human to human <laughs> audio or video chat. Uh, you know, I, I find it's really, really helpful to put as much information and personality into the primary means of your communication, which is probably going to be text via email, via IM, via chat, uh, via issues, via bug reports, whatever. Um, and so for me, that's, you know, speaking like I do in person, you know, I am big into, you know, like I said, trying to show, emoji for i'm happy i'm scared i'm whatever blah 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 i'm going out for a run right now all that stuff uses emojis which i think sounds ridiculous to some people when you describe how important that is but i I think it's actually a huge um like level up in communicating via text um and so if you have a question if you have a concern with your team or whatever raise it um don't let things fester because when things fester remotely i find that they stew a lot worse (laughs) than when you're in person and you're able to like talk to other humans in person over a beer or a coffee or whatever um and so uh yeah i think i think one of my biggest things would probably be just communicate like a lot um and well but also in volume (laughs) yeah all right so tip one was uh uh sort of pick a place that matches basically go remote friendly unless uh Unless you know better for some reason, mm-hmm. but generally don't 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 go out on a limb too far. And I and I like tip two, which is like communicate a lot. And I think you're right that that if you, if you over you know, over communicate, the wrong way to say it. If you communicate a lot and put a lot into your communication, there's going to be less opportunity to misunderstand where you're coming from. Um, right. Which, All which you're nice. really doing is is you're 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 basically just kind of like building a backstory for your character right because people regardless of if whether it's good or not because you're mainly communicating over text that's the only mechanism for them to know you um and they're going to meet you in person or over video chat and whatever but when they're when you're sitting there and you're having a conversation about well should i do x or should i do y or whatever you know they're 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 thinking of the character version of you because that is just how human brains work. We we need to personify that text. And so if they can think back and look at the what you're writing and think, oh, you know, oh, he meant this because, you know, he put a smiley face here to to sort of codify that what he wrote wasn't intended to come off rude or, you know, um in- pointed or intense or whatever. Um you know, I I I, that that's why I think there's huge value in, in adding like smiley faces, winks, you know, frowns, mad faces, whatever, all that kind of crap. It's also fun. Well, I mean, it makes it a lot more fun than just like, okay. Right. You know? I, I think <laughs> it's, I think it's much more inclusive too, because, you know, in, in an office environment, in order to, if you were to survey people in an office environment about who was the good communicator, who they would the people that they would uh cite as good communicators would be assertive sort of bold personalities usually mm-hmm. and i think that that while that personality can work perfectly well over text many other personality types that are equally compelling but not as uh attention grabbing in person can really flourish 
right? Because like the, mm-hmm. the witty quiet gal, uh, or guy can, uh, be very effective at using text in a way that they'll never be effective, um, in person, right? Cause they're, they're, they're uncomfortable in that, uh, environment. I think text is, you know, a bit more welcoming. I think more people have a shot at being themselves in a way that is attractive and interesting to others, which I like. Um, even though I'm, I'm relatively comfortable in person, I think, um, I would rather communicate in an environment where everyone was comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So those are two good tips. What's the third for the remote employee? So this one might come off as being a little soft, <laughs> but when I, I, when I talk about working remote, sometimes I, I bring this up a lot is like, figure out what is the most important thing for you in your job and like ensure that when you go to get this remote job that you're not sort of leaving something on the table because you're remote. Um, in my experience interviewing for remote jobs, you know, what three or more years ago, um, you know, there's sort of two companies, one com- one type of company that is hiring many remote workers, but looks at remote workers as um, what feels like some sort of cost-saving measure or something. And then there's companies that are hiring remote workers and they just happen to be working remotely. And so sometimes that means money's different. Sometimes that means the culture is significantly dim- different. Um, sometimes that means you're solving... Um, you know, uh, problems that are just, dis- are, are not interesting to you, uh, because it seems like, you know, only, you know, we'll just say only social startups are doing remote work or whatever, or you might go and look at all these companies in San Francisco and say, man, I'd love to work for them, but none of them hire remote. Um, you know, I, I think a big thing about being able to tackle, especially a remote work hunt, um, if you're not just sort of falling into it is to make a list of the sort of top three things that are important to you when finding this job. And then, you know, I think it's easy to then go and look at these job listings, look at companies that are intrigue you who maybe don't have job listings and be able to say, you know, Hey, I'm interested in working for you remotely because of X, Y, and Z. Um, because you know you you tick off these three things uh because i you know i I do think that sometimes people especially if say you're coming out of college or a boot camp or you know your sort of your first gig is going to be remote um your first you know big gig is going to be remote that you're you're sort of going to be more easily taken advantage of or you know willing to be like oh well i get to work remote and i get to work sort of when i want so i'm gonna you know give all this stuff up in the process and not have health insurance and whatever um i i would i would warn that because remote is getting cooler and, and more accepted that you know you sort of don't give that up uh if they're if you're an existing remote employee and there's something about the remote uh you know experience that's bothering you um i I would speak up about that too. I mean, one of the cool things that GitHub has done in the past is as we've done sort of large, um, as we've hit large milestones or large benchmarks or whatever, um, GitHub will frequently, you know, send us, uh, a, a gift card to take our families out to dinner or something in lieu of, you know, whatever they're providing the, you know, on-site employees, uh, you know, probably food and some drinks that night or whatever, you know, um, when GitHub turned five, uh, they, they, you know, sent us all gift cards with more than enough money to bring our families out to dinner. And like, that was really nice. And the only, the only reason that came up was because remote employees were sort of started to say, Hey, you know, we don't expect really 
you know, to be sent Doritos and candy and coffee every day because they, uh, that's in the office. But we do think it's important that, you know, if we're celebrating something, if we're sort of, you know, toasting to our accomplishments that we're also included in that. And GitHub said, you know what, you're right. And so there's been a ton of little things like that that they've done uh, while I've been there. And so those sorts of things, if you're already employed, only really happen if the company's cultures, you know, already has that baked in or if remote employees are willing to speak up uh, about the important things. Like I said, I don't know that I would die on the hill to say, you know, well, in, in the office, everyone gets free Red Bull. So you should subscribe and save me Red Bull until I quit, you know, but I do think that at times it's important to remember, you know, I was just a big part of that huge release. So how can you kind of help me uh, feel like I'm a big part of that too? No, I think that's smart. And I don't think that's that soft. I, I think you said multiple things that were smart. So one was that, like, don't don't be stupid and look for a tit-for-tat sort of equality. That's not the right strategy because you've got many benefits as the remote employee that people that have to go to the office don't have. So don't go tit-for-tat. But I think cultural things like we celebrate accomplishments, finding a corollary for remote that is, isn't the same, but it's kind of similar, at least in feel, I think is super smart. Um, you said something early in, in that point that I think is interesting too, which about negotiation. And I think an important thing to remember is that whereas it's easy as the potential remote employee to feel like they are doing you a favor, right? Um, it's, which may be the case for what it's worth. It's just as likely that the reverse is true where you have a skill set that is not in ample supply for them in their place and you know you are giving them a way out of that jail uh, because you are willing to do work with them remotely and i've been in that situation so actually the the um what i spend most of my time on i was unwilling to um well i was certainly unwilling to move to texas for it and i was also unwilling to travel too much too so i I travel some but i said listen you know uh, i travel there not to work but to socialize right because it's important Mm -hmm. that we've got relationships with, mm-hmm. with each other. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, when we need to get work done, the last thing I would do is travel down there. Mm-hmm. Right? right? And uh, I set those expectations right at the front end because I think that I, I had a relatively clear understanding of what the sort of power dynamics in the, in the negotiation were. I'm not saying that I was doing them this massive favor by w- being willing to work with them, but they weren't doing me a massive favor either. Right? There was a bit of a give and a take. You know, I was willing to work with them for a while and they're willing to, to, you know, do so on terms that were acceptable to sort of my lifestyle. And the um, point being there is that in a negotiation, it's very easy to forget that the other person has the same feelings you do. Right. They're anxious right. about you not working for them. They're anxious about, you know, not having capacity that they need to get things done, not having the insights they need to invent the next thing. So just like, don't, don't become some, some sort of like braggadocious idiot, but, um, recognize that it's not like you have no power, mm-hmm. right? You've got some mm-hmm. power too. Yeah, totally. And honestly, I mean, my biggest thing, especially, especially when getting a remote job is, if you go in at the beginning and you feel like you gave up a lot or you're not sort of getting what you wanted, but it'll be okay, you're not going to like it there. <laughs> no. It won't be a good job for you. We will <laughs> resent you them and, one, and right, they, will, un- 
they won't deserve it even necessarily. Right. right. Totally. Right. And so I just think that sometimes, you know, like I said, with the remote stuff, like, like you said, you feel like you're, they're, they're giving something up. And so you kind of owe them one, but you know, in a lot of ways they're coming out on top of not having personnel on site in the whole nine yards, uh, in a way. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's important to say, cause, uh, you know, everyone's willing to give up something sometimes when, uh, when when you're going after a job that really like you know you really intrigues you or you're really interested in but uh, i would just be careful not to sort of uh like you said not go tit for tat but also not let things uh go that are you know particularly important to you and you know every job i've taken there's always been some level of negotiation and it doesn't even have to be about salary and i think that you learn a lot with a company, especially if those negotiations aren't happening in person, which I, I think they rarely are, um, unless you're at a, you know, a very high level, uh, and, and you get to see how this company is going to interact with you in a remote way. Um, it's like an easy way to see, you know, oh, okay. So once I am hired here and I am a remote employee, this is how they're going to treat me. Uh, you know, whether those emails are well thought out and well-written or if they're like, yeah, we'll give you that send, you know, or whatever. Uh, it, it does make a big difference if that's like, again, your primary, your primary means of communication. All right. So let's recap. So, and then let's recap, then I'll do a sponsor read and then let's flip the table and talk about remote work from the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. What's it like to hire a remote team to be responsible for a remote team? What matters? Because I think that may be as helpful to a potential remote employee and plenty of people that listen would, would be on the other side too, as talking about being a remote employee. Um, but to recap, so your three pieces of advice were, let's see, number one was, what was number one? Do you, re- <laughs> do you recall number one? I thought it was pretty good too. It was good. We might have to listen back to the tape on that. <laughs> number, all right. Do you remember number two? <laughs> number two was communicate. Communicate. Yeah, over, over communicate. Over communicate in every way possible. Number three yeah. was negotiate for yourself. Uh, yeah. uh, what was number one? It's annoying. There are three things. Were, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's, it's an, late at night. It's an embarrassing <laughs> failure of the clock. Okay. Well, let's talk about DigitalOcean, our second sponsor today. DigitalOcean provides simple and fast cloud hosting built for developers. You can create a cloud server in 55 seconds for as little as five bucks a month. That's as long as Kyle and I can retain a fact, apparently. (laughs) And in that amount of time, DigitalOcean can provision a server. And we will have forgotten what we were talking about. Uh, DigitalOcean is built for developers and used by over 400,000 of them. It's built to be scalable. You can even resize your existing droplets. That's their word for instances to meet uh, your needs. As you grow, you can choose your OS from all of the usual suspects and they have one click install for apps like Ruby on rails, uh, Django, Docker, WordPress, etc. All of their servers are built on hex core machines with dedicated ECC Ram and raid SSD storage. Their servers have up to 20 CPUs 64 gigs of RAM and 640 gigabyte SSD hard drive to handle the more demanding performance requirements that you may have. You can deploy servers anywhere in the world and uh, have 99.99% uptime. They have full feature DNS management to make it easy to manage your domains. Um, they've got a great active community um, creating a tremendous amount of content about how to deal with system admin tasks that you may not be 
super familiar with. So head on over to digitalocean.com and learn more about them. When you sign up, you'll get $10 off uh, or $10 credit rather uh, towards your new account if you use the code RubyPodcast. So again, go to digitalocean.com, code RubyPodcast. You get $10 totally free. That's a, a server for two months at their base plan. Thanks to DigitalOcean for supporting the show. All right. So let's talk about the other side, which sure. is uh, uh, what's it like to hire and manage a remote team? So have you done that? I don't remember. Have you either hired or managed a remote team? Uh, I have. Okay. Yeah. Now, did it's easy. You just do it. You just hire a bunch of remote people and they just deal with all their own problems and your company becomes incredibly profitable. Yeah, yeah, profit. I'm pretty sure that's what people think, <laughs> to be honest. Like, it's as simple as going, well, dear CEO, can we hire remote people? And the CEO's like, yes, or whoever the you know person that makes that decision is. And then you just go hire some remote people and continue working on as you as you were, that does not work. No, it's interesting. I think you're right. I think it's interesting to think about because like many things where we think that the big event is the decision to like the decision to have kids, for example, is the big event. And that's like a minor detail in the story. The Mm -hmm. big event is actually having the kids and needing to be Mm -hmm. a parent for the next, however long. Um, I think the same goes with remote. Uh, managing the remote team is actually quite easy to make the decision. There's nothing to it, right? You just decide to. Um, Quite a different story to to, to actually make it happen. And I found that the skills that make you good, well, let's say it differently. The skills that may or may not, one could imagine they were a decent manager in person. It's going to get real clear if you're a a decent manager when the employees are remote, at least in my Mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. Um, because you don't get to lean on these um, sort of artifacts of of the way that um, sort of traditional businesses are structured, like the mm-hmm. daily meetings, the sit downs, the you know the 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 many people in a room deals. Because remote isn't really structured like that, right? I mean, it's like many connections between all the nodes in the graph instead of like the graph all sitting in a conference table. And I've found that being effective is, um, no big shock here, mostly about being a great communicator at an individual level with every member of the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you of course have to communicate as a group well too, but that, you know, establishing a good relationship with every member and understanding sort of them and what makes them tick and sort of going with the pitch on their life, right? Like, mm-hmm. is, is it important for them to have flexibility on time? And if so, mm-hmm. give it. Is it important for them to have uh, uh, an opportunity to chit-chat a lot? Okay, mm-hmm. give it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they want to be really involved in their local community, te- you know, tech or otherwise community as a way to sort of counterbalance the fact that they're not involved in the sort of physical physical community of the office? Okay, give it. Like my deal with managing remote employees is, or, or team members, because oftentimes in remote, they're not necessarily employees. They're, you know, contractors, they're temporary, they're, you know, various... Sure flavors of employee, um, that the best way to, to manage and lead and collaborate with people is to just go with the pitch on who they are. Right. Right. Don't force them into your deal. Use the fact that remote is more flexible to go with their pitch. And like, if you do that, you're going to get the best version of them. And if you get the best version of them, you're going to, you know, you're going to do better too. 
Mm-hmm. That's probably all true in person, though. Also. I think it's all true in person too, but I think, you know, I think the thing is that when when you're working remotely, you're or when you're when you're deciding to once you've decided to hire remote workers, you're really deciding to make a very long-term investment in your business um that is either going to work out well because you're supporting it and keeping it going or it's going to fail miserably and then you're going to go, "Well, our company just can't work remotely," right? And so to me, once you decide to make that decision and then you go and you start looking for remote workers, you're also in a way, you know, presuming you have some existing employees, even if they're not technical, um, you're also forcing them to buy into this too. You know, they need to communicate with those remote employees. They need to be okay with the fact that this company's based in New York, but maybe you're hiring employees in San Francisco, you know? It, that is a big time difference. You know, they get in at noon, uh, let's say, you know, uh, and you can force those remote employees to work um, East Coast hours. But like, is that really what you want those remote employees to do? That's you violating know? my rule one, too, which is if you right. want to get a, the best you know, results from remote, never do that. Never force them into right. a different context. Right. And I mean, I think that, you know, every company, even before GitHub, who I who seems to have like one of its tent poles be that, you know, we get together uh, frequently, you know, we, I think, you know, three times a year slash quarterly is like a, a very good amount of time to get together with your team or a subset of your team or colleagues. If you don't have, you know, if it's like, for example, GitHub does one annual summit and two mini summits every year. So my team gets together twice a year and then the entire company gets together once a year. And then we can choose to go to San Francisco or meet other employees sort of a certain number of times, you know, and the company will help pay. Uh, that's useful to keep us all connected and together. But I, I remember in other businesses, you know, we definitely got together, you know, at least three times a year just to get together, work, chat, go out to dinner, do those fancy dinners that like, you know, remote employees tend to miss out on uh that was a big thing um and when i was managing remote teams you know i would definitely send you know gift cards and um there were times when i would send uh uh, like thank you gift packages to spouses and families because it would be like yes yes this person does work for a real company even though you don't get to experience the christmas party or the new year's or you know what i mean whatever whatever those things are that sometimes we kind of joke about with uh w- when you li- or work in a corporate environment you know it, it kind of stings a little bit more when you work from home all day <laughs> uh you know by you know potentially by yourself and so i i do think that there's a big point uh, in investing in that from a, from a technical perspective, I feel like it's even more important as a manager or as a hiring person to make sure that the, the, the people can communicate technically remote. So, you know, code reviews can be done only per only or primarily over text. Um, they can clearly describe architecture to you over text. And so, when we were hiring um, in a previous life, not at GitHub, we actually never did on-site interviews with remote workers. Um, it was all done remotely. Um, a lot of it was, you know, we'll we'll give you a very small contract and pay you to solve this problem, and you need to just describe it all over text to us because that was the primary means of communication. And then, of course, we did phone interviews and whatnot, but we never sort of did the in-person because, I mean, 
you figure maybe 10 days a year at the most, we'd actually all be in person together. Um, the primary skill we were looking for was, you know, being able to communicate over non, you know, in-person means. And so, uh, that was a big thing that I think worked really well for us. I know GitHub does on-premise interviews as well as phone and regardless. Um, and that seems to be working well, but, uh, in my experience, it's really just about communication in the means and mechanisms that you anticipate actually, you know, needing someone to, to communicate. Uh, I think your point was really smart before about how going remote is a larger decision than companies may think for reasons that they may not realize. Right. And that it's not that I think that people see it as like the gateway drug to some sort of laissez-faire party for existing employees, which <laughs> I've never seen it work out that way. Right. What I think it is, is a adjustment of the, of the sort of uh, expectation contract between the sort of the hiring side of the equation and the labor side of the equation. And that to be effective remote is to let down one's sort of power guard and, and acquiesce to sort of the best way for the remote employee to get things done. Because you no longer have these sort of physical constraints of the office that sort of force people into a mode of working that almost almost assuredly isn't the right mode for them. Mm-hmm. But but a lot of being an employee in that kind of situation is about kind of acquiescing. Mm-hmm. And remote is not, you sort of have embraced the fact that, you know, what the best employees are very unlikely to live within 25 minutes of where my physical building is. And right. Well, I think that's a big thing too that, you know, I mean, it's, it the, you know, once you decide to do remote, there's kind of a one argument, but I feel like a lot of people also discount the self-selection that happens when people move to San Francisco. You know, there's a lot of really smart people who just don't want to move to San Francisco, you know, or, or insert city here, right? Yeah. It could be anywhere. Um, and I think that was one of the coolest things at, um, the startup I was at when we were hiring remote is we were hiring people all over the United States and like in the randomest of places and coming from Connecticut, I feel like Connecticut's relatively random. And so I'm, I'm able to pretty ran- sound pretty judgy random, I think. when I say that. <laughs> I think Connecticut's like, like checks the random box quite hard. Right. Right. And so, I mean, you know, the rest of it is really interesting because it's like, you know, there's no, there's no tech job down there, you know, or over there or in that mountain or wherever. And so we're able to get great employees who have been overlooked by these huge companies because they just don't, don't or can't move to these major metropolitan areas or, you know, just don't want to. And so I do think that's a big benefit, but, um, but I don't think thinking, oh man, we're going to get all these great talents. We're just going to do remote because that's it. Um, that is not it. This is, this is making one of the biggest, uh, I think, employment choices your business could make um, because it is a lot more work um, in the people managing those remote employees and making sure that they feel connected and can collaborate with their coworkers across departments and across time zones. That is a lot of work. It's a lot different than making everyone come to an office. Yeah. That's, that's and if you're, easier way out. You know, if you're lousy at, um, if you're lousy at being a sort of employer leader of a remote team, you'll get people to work for your remotely. They'll just be the lousy mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, people. That's yeah. no one that's good uh, is going to choose uh, a remote team. That's completely ineffective for long. Yeah. At right. least. Okay. Let me take a quick uh, break since we're a little bit behind and uh, talk about our third sponsor, which is CodeChip. 
CodeShip, frequent sponsor, uh, friend of the show for a uh, year and a half now. They're a hosted continuous delivery service focused on speed, security, and customizability. You can set up continuous integration in a matter of seconds and automatically deploy when your tests have passed. CodeShip supports your GitHub and Bitbucket projects. You can get started with their free plan today, and they've just launched their organizations plan. It's similar to GitHub's organizations where you can create teams, set permissions for specific team members, and improve the way that you collaborate on various projects in your uh, overall continuous delivery workflow. You get to maintain centralized control over your organization's projects, but still have, uh, hey, uh, this is apropos this conversation, sort of a diverse set of people that are contractors and employees and management, etc., that are all collaborating on your um, continuous delivery setup. If you go to codeship.com slash 5x5ruby, you'll save 20% off any premium plan for the next three months. Use the uh, code 5x5ruby, you get that 20% off. And they've been uh, kind enough to partner with me on apifirst.training, which is going on next month. If you go to apifirst.training, you can get $200 off if you use the code uh, CodeShip at checkout. So thanks to CodeShip for supporting the show. All right. Uh, I'm going to talk a bit, if you don't mind, about my favorite remote working experience because I'm in Go the middle it. of it right now. <laughs> so it's not me. It's my favorite experience working with someone else that's remote. Okay. So I, uh, for the summer, have I, I brought on uh, a team member. I would mention who it is, although I don't know if he, I don't know if he'd like that or not. So I'll not mention specifically who it is. But I've been working with someone for the summer that is remote. They're in Europe, and um, I think that I'm about eleven weeks in. So and, and we're just about done with the experience. But uh, he's partnered with me on a on a on that project that I was mentioning for down in Texas, and has worked mostly on or I'd say entirely actually this summer on the, on a sort of large rails project and then some related gems, um, that support it. And it has been my favorite collaboration experience that I think I've ever had. Uh, and I think it's interesting to talk about it for a few minutes to figure out what it is that he was able to do so right that, you know, like what, what can I take away from that about how do I be a better remote team member? You know, how do I find people that are better remote team members? Because he was absolutely ideal. Um, so, uh, care to entertain me on that one? Yeah, definitely. So one thing that I, I think I've mentioned it to you sort of offline before, but one thing that's interesting about this experience is that, uh, and now it's like a badge of honor at this point. Um, we've never talked this summer once. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, we have never had a conversation. Um, which it's interesting. I mean, maybe like conversation, like uh, synchronous uh, voice conversations, are like the the code smell of remote work. In other words, like it's evidence of how good things are that it's never even occurred to us to have a conversation. Um, I wonder if that. I, I bet that there's something to that. That like if you feel the pull to have lots of voice conversations that may suggest something's going on. Um, but I think that the reason that for him it's worked so well is that, so we use Slack and GitHub exclusively. I don't think I've emailed him once either. Actually, I'm sure of it. (laughs) 
So Slack does really kill email. Yeah. I mean, the only emails that I've received from him this summer were invoices. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I couldn't find a single other email than invoices. Um, so it's interesting. So yeah, 100% of the conversation has been on Slack and GitHub. And that's all. And um, I think that I figured out through that that there is no better setup to me than that. For like awesome. every project, I would like Slack and GitHub as my exclusive means of conversation. <laughs> and I think tests. So I, 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 we haven't talked much about testing before, but you, you are not like on the continuum of like TDD zealot to I hate tests. You, where are you? Uh, I always test and I sometimes TDD, but I am not a zealot about whether or not you should TDD. So you're like a six or seven. Yeah, I would say a six or seven. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I would, uh, I'd say I'm like around there too. Seven or eight, maybe. So I'd say usually TDD always test, but not a zealot. Um, and sometimes, you know, don't do it as well as I do other times, but in general, pretty, pretty good about it. But I found that the tests for the tests are one of the best means of communication that we have. Because, like, the rubber hits the road there. Yeah. Right? So, like, we can chit-chat in Slack about what should we, should, we, you know, we should build. And I can make issues in GitHub that explain what needs to be built. And he can, uh, you know, draft up his approach and the checklist on the issue. But, like, until you see the test really flesh out the details behind what we're talking about, it's a little bit of hand-waving, I think. So, I think that that's the other thing that he's done so well, you know, aside from... Well, I haven't really talked about what he's done as well. So one of the things he's done well is test well, um, and, and write tests that are, are that that make it clear to me that he understands what it is that we're trying to do, or has discovered what we should do that I hadn't yet figured out. Right? They're like an articulation of the mission, um, which is super nice. Which just you, I couldn't substitute anything else for that. In Slack, he is not crazy chatty honestly, but like basically available. Like, so if I chatted, you know, within an hour or two, he'd probably respond usually at least maybe not, but usually, and he's, uh, you know, got his, he's got a, a good personality, but it's not, you know, it's mostly work with a little bit of personality thrown in. Yeah. Um, the, the fun thing about thinking about the way that he approaches working remotely is that no individual bit is remarkable. It's that, he is able to express who he is and get everything done and like expresses who he is in a way, like you said before, that make, that makes it easy to understand what his character is like, the right. you know, the, what his deal is and really doesn't say much more than that. And besides that goes async on everything and is extremely effective at communicating async. And man, if you can do that, like just on the side of the sort of hiring manager side, Oh my goodness, I will hire, I will hire you. <laughs> for anything. Um, wow. Do you think you, 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 do you think that you get it done now? Do you like, do you think you've translated these years and years of being a remote employee to, or a remote worker to be like sort of that effective? Um, yeah, I think so. I think that I do think that though I am starting to feel, uh, slightly isolated, you know, as a remote employee, um, I don't think that's a consequence of my particular employer or anything. I think it's just as I've gotten older and 
had kid that I have less adult interaction that I miss. Um, and so I, I do think that there is some degree of me, you know, wanting to get together with my colleagues a bit more than I had in the past. But I mean, overall, I mean, I, I feel really confident talking to people, uh, whether that be customers, clients, coworkers, and, and just, I know I can do that communication and get it done. Like, I'm not worried about that at all. It's kind of like old hat at this point. Um, but I do think that, it, you know, there are, it's not a, it's not a binary decision, you know, I mean, and it does take a bit of work to be able to take advantage of the flexibility, but not take, you know, take advantage of it in a bad way. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I love, I love hearing stories and people sort of just like have the knack for it right out of the gate, no matter what. But, um, you know, I do think some people have to work at it and the, and things change sort of, you know, as your career goes on or as you, uh, you know, experience new things. I think like a lot of things, it's, it's probably easiest to be a remote team member if you've only been a remote team member. Yeah, that's true. Like if you don't have any, like, you know, that's the only way you know to work, of course you'd be better at it then. Yeah, right. If you were sort of trying to, to to project some other mode of collaboration onto something that's sort of distinctly different. Yeah. I think I think going to an office I could do it. I think I would just be exhausted by it. Yeah. To feel like I have to perform the whole time. So shout out to people who do do that. I think it I think it sucks pretty bad. <laughs> that's what i think i think it's I mean, sort of there uncivilized is, there like we haven't i don't want to i don't want to kind of bring this up too much just because we're running out of time here but i mean one of the things that i do think that going to an office allows you is a very clear separation between work and not working <laughs> uh when you work at home there's a little door that i have that i can open and close but other than that i mean i i work on a laptop so there are days that the laptop comes out into the family space and you know and, and vice versa there are days where my kid comes into my office and so it's not exactly the same as you know taking a shower getting dressed making your lunch bringing it to work you know working with your coworkers, going home at night um you know psychologically there is something to be said to that it's just a matter of how much you value that and how much of that can you replicate at home um or do you not does that not matter to you because for some people that just doesn't matter it's not it's not even on their radar yeah i've always been more of a mix my peas with my mashed potatoes kind of guy first of all peas are disgusting and second of all how dare you yeah, you create like little piles of food on your plate of course i do it's ridiculous oh my goodness no 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 i might mix it all together our fourth sponsor is hormel canned chili <laughs> Which I think is actually somewhat decent. All right, we got to wrap this you, up now. <laughs> do you have Hormel chili in your house right now? I do not. I have one can. I don't know how it got to the house. <laughs> it's, that's the emergency. The, the the babies are up at night. Emergency can of chili. Right. Exactly. <laughs> You're just gonna text me one morning at six a.m. and say I ate a can of chili at three a.m. <laughs> Desperate times. You know? Yeah. Well, we we do have actually a fourth sponsor, so we've got to read that and then. Close with something, and then uh, I think I've got some uh, cranky baby to take care of tonight. Okay, so our fourth sponsor this week is Braintree, who's been sponsoring recently, which we appreciate. Braintree uh, gives you an easy way to accept multiple payment types with one integration. Quick, knowledgeable developer support if you have any questions, and you can start accepting Apple Pay, PayPal, Bitcoin, Venmo, credit cards, and whatever's next, all with a single integration. With uh, Braintree's current SDK, which they call V.0, one small snippet of code and 
is all you need to get set up. It should take you about 10 minutes uh, for the basic integration. <laughs> We've all heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> How many things actually take 10 minutes? Uh, but apparently Braintree, uh, their initial setup, they say it takes 10 minutes. Uh, you can give it a shot if you go to braintreepayments.com slash rails podcast. When you sign up for an account, you'll get your first $50,000 in transactions completely fee-free. Uh, pretty great deal. A great way to uh, give them a shot on either something small or big without investing anything but um, the time to uh, do the initial integration. Uh, anyhow, I still have not tried Braintree. So this is on my oh, list. Oh, they're great. I like them. Yeah. Yeah, they. I've looked at the documentation since they started to sponsor, and it looks great. Um, I like the uh, the experience for the consumer too, which I have uh, have experienced. But, anyways, you should go check them out. BraintreePayments dot com slash Rails Podcast. Again, fifty thousand bucks in transactions, fee free. Uh, thanks to them for sponsoring the show. All right, let's hit the home stretch. We can't end with the ad read, so we gotta end with something uh something else. Have you ever used cucumber? Yeah. I don't I don't I don't use cucumber, but I have used cucumber. Do do people use cucumber? I don't think so. Um I don't think so. And in now and then, like as recently as about four or five months ago, um yeah, about five months ago, I was actually working on something related to the project I've been talking about. And I actually thought that it was the right decision for part of that project. Um, you know, kind of to go the sort of the BDD route, the have things that non-programmers can read and possibly edit and write a little bit, but certainly read. Um, but didn't end up going there in part because it just doesn't feel like where the crowd is and it felt a little too off the beaten path and I wasn't, you know, willing to fly the flag too, too high. Uh, but tell me more. Are you using cucumber? No, I, I just, I, I, I ran into an old project that used cucumber and I, I've, I have not seen it in four, three, four years. So I was just curious if people still use it or not. I don't know. If, I mean, I, I'm sure some people do. But I don't see so, it that often. We want to hear from you, Internet. We'd like to compile a bunch of questions, thoughts, concerns from you into a possible future episode. So if you'd like to tweet at us or email us, um, we'll accept it. And maybe we'll have you uh, record your questions so we can play it on, as part of the podcast. I like but that idea. There's a lot of funny stuff like this where maybe that maybe there is someone that uses a lot of cucumber or is interested in getting started or has some question about getting a job or using Ruby, Rails, whatever. Python, go. We'll figure it out. We'll fake it till we make it. But um, tweet us, email us, um, contact us in whatever medium makes the most sense to you. And uh, let's do a full episode. So uh, that's we'll a good idea. A bunch of questions. We'll, we'll tweet out. Uh, we'll tweet this out this week. But I'd say if, if you ask, if you record the audio, you know, on your phone or voice memos app on your iPhone or whatever, if you record the audio of a question or a point that's even somewhat salient. You're getting on the show. Oh, yeah. Because that's fun. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so do it. And it doesn't have to be just cucumber related, just if that wasn't clear. <laughs> it can be about yeah, no, anything. Anything. Anything related <laughs> to this podcast in any means. I kind of feel like cucumber may be like the Apple script of, of uh, Ruby. Oh, boy. 
now you've done it. No, like in other words, like the thing that it, it sounds like a good idea and is certainly used and not strictly a bad idea. A lot of smart people use it, but just never had, never sort of fulfilled the promise that it made. I don't think people used it the way that it was intended to be used. And so everyone was angry with it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's right. That's just my take. Apple script or cucumber. Um, have you ever had cucumber water? (laughs) I have. Not a cucumber water fan. (laughs) I, you know, if for me, uh, Cucumber water is just sort of passable, but if you put lime in it, I like it. Well, that's not that's not the same thing. I, mean, I like cucumber lime water. No, no, no. The whole point of the cucumber is how subtle, it, subtly it changes the flavor of the water. Lime is like a Mack truck coming into your water pitcher. In vodka, I like vodka in my cucumber lime water. All right, <laughs> I think that's a podcast. <laughs> All right, if you uh, would like to connect with me on Twitter, I'm barely known, and I am K Daigle. See you uh, next week for episode uh, 200. I love you, Jamie. (laughs) That's right. Oh, Teresa's had a rough day. Love you too, Teresa. See ya. Bye.